Welcome to episode 31 of the Moped Outlaws podcast. Who would have guessed that we've come of age? What does that mean? We just turned 16? We just turned 31. Is that coming of age, 31? Well, in some cultures, you're not mature until you're 31. What culture? Mark's culture. Yeah, that's what I thought. Mark's culture yogurt. Ooh, that's that has a nice ring to it. Sardines on the bottom. Mark's cultured yogurt. That makes me feel a bullion. <laughs> a bullion. <laughs> the word of the day is a bullion. I don't think we should tell people what that wonderful word means. I think they just have to go with it. You know, in an era where there was no Google, I might feel obligated. I know, exactly, right? If you want to know what it is, in fact, Google will say it for you. A bullient. Did you hear that? Bullient. We barely heard it, but we heard it. Ah, forget it. Yeah, you did did your best. (laughs) Yeah. The laughing Buddha approves. Oh, good. Good for the laughing of Buddha. Okay, so we're talking about stepping into the roles of greatness. Yeah. It seems as though lots and lots of our best and brightest elders have been crossing over to the other side for various reasons. People like Desmond Tutu, Sidney Poitier, a whole cast of people. Ed Asner, Betty White, Betty White. Although, you know, that's interesting because I don't often think about Betty White as someone who exemplifies leadership in a way. But when you in reality, that's true. She really does exemplify leadership poise. She has an air about her that's like old school courtesy. But at the same time, we love it when she breaks that paradigm down and like gives someone like the finger or does something, you know, out of character because it's so potent when normally you're very put together and you finally have an authentic reaction that involves giving someone the finger. Then it's like we all cheer for that because we all want to be that. Yeah, I think she was the leader. Bob Saget. I think he was a leader. Well, it, you know, I'll be honest. Bob was funny, but putting him in the same phrase as Desmond Tutu and Sidney Poitier, I'm like, mm, you know, okay. And I disagree. I disagree with that. You know, you're you're getting to a good point, which is that we all have unique ways that we show up in the world that matter. That's what right. I'm thinking. Yeah. yeah, I agree with Auth- you. Authenticity. And someone who was, you hear from people, he was continually cheering people on. He was there for them. Someone pinged him. He was ready to go. So with these um, important roles, these shoes no longer being filled, it's up to us, right? 
to kind of step into the possibility of our own greatness. Yeah. But I think what is just being realized is we are our greatness. We are, we're all It's already happening. It feels so passive to me. Like I'm actually advocating for a level of people not being quite so satisfied so easily with it. Okay. So last episode, um, we had the accountability of you owning a jump rope, right? So do you own a jump rope? I do. I own a jump rope. I own two of them actually. All right. Let's see one. If the audience wants to see it, the audience listening wants to see it. Okay. Now, when did the, when did, Oh, he just broke his computer. (laughs) I just whacked my microphone so, so that those who couldn't see it could hear it. Oh, is that what you call it now? Whacking the microphone? That's what I call it. Excuse me, honey. I'm going to go whack my microphone. I'll be back (laughs) since you obviously aren't interested. (laughs) That was very phallic, Mr. Wend. Um, All right. So how many times have you used the jump rope since you got one? Um, I just adjusted it to the right length today. So none. Like if you asked how much more black can this get, it'd be none, none more black. Well, what I did was I made the length of it correct and I set out my um, pad. I bought a a thick foam pad so that when I'm jumping, I have a little bit more shock absorption and it's out there on the the spot where I'm going to jump rope waiting for me and I'm going to do it when we're done. All right. So is this an everyday thing? My goal is to do five minutes today, which you know, in the scheme of things, five minutes of jump rope isn't really all that big a deal. But like I started with meditation, I was, it was really actually quite challenging for me to get five minutes of meditation every day when I first started. And once I got to the point where I was doing five minutes a day, then I went to 10. So my goal with the jump rope is cardio, right? But also not to hurt myself. Right. So that I can do it every day. Right. Because I'm do I'm biking. And by biking, I mean, I'm riding casually on flat ground. Right. Like we're not talking about to the 7-Eleven to get a big gulp and a box of donuts. <laughs> no, not to the 7-Eleven. Get a big bowl gulp. God, <laughs> you know, that's one thing in my favor. It's probably really great that, I, you know, I actually gave up soft drinks almost a decade ago. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. So, um, the, the, the intention is to sweat and get my heart rate up and and have heavy breathing in addition to my bike or morning or walk. Right. So it's, it's twice a day and the jump rope represents the other half of that paradigm. And so, um, you know, eventually I'll get to 20 minutes like I do with my daily meditation now. And that'll, that'll be great. 20 minutes of jump rope is no joke. I'm sure. Um, And for you folks that are really in shape and who are laughing at me, who like do sets of 20 and then do 20 minutes of jump rope. Oh, geez. I could have sworn. R2-D2 has something to say about that. (laughs) Fundivision. I wonder who that is. What's Fundivision? I don't know. I don't want them on the podcast. They want money for their... Let's answer it. Go ahead and answer it. That can be part of our... Yeah, so... um, little personal business. That's what happens when you do answer the phone lotto. 
as I said at the beginning of that little left turn, I should have turned my phone off before we started the podcast. But here we are. And apparently, um, I didn't pay my paper bill. Yeah, for the Marin Independent Junior. Well, there's no money in that account. So... Um, I'm going to all rectify all of that. And the customer service person was very helpful. He, he helped me, um, you know, get where I needed to go. And so How I'm come you don't want you. the uh, Marin IJ anymore? <clears throat> I had this like desire to sit and actually read the paper, have the physical paper. And I was enjoying that for a while. And then I started noticing that I wasn't reading the paper anymore. And I'm like, well, the, there's ink and p- paper being used for this purpose, which is coming to my doorstep. So the carbon footprint oh. of not reading the paper didn't sit right. well with me anymore. So all the trees crying out, you finally heard their cry. No, I was just like, I'm not doing this. I, I should stop, you know, just having Come this on, cycle. There were trees outside your door. I cried, please, Mike, please. No, it's the it. crows outside my door that are crying. They want more nuts. They want more branches to land on. You're taking away all our branches. <laughs> I, I, I've been feeding them walnuts every three days. All right. And they're like, they show up now and they're like, is he here? Did he, is he putting out walnuts now? And I'm like, not today, son. Do you make them shell it or do you give them? No, these are shelled. And what I noticed is when I put them out, the big chunks out, it was hard for them. They they don't know what to do with the big chunks. So I, now I actually take a really solid steel knife and I break up all the nuts the, the, into smaller, tiny chunks. And I also figured out that the squirrels and the blue jays and the finches um, and God knows what else that I don't see come get them end up being like kind of pushed out by the crows if I just put it all in one place, the crows come in and they take it all away and no one gets any. So now I've got like this thing where I chop up the nuts and I do about a cup, cup and a half. And then I go to like these three, four different spots in my front yard. One's in the dirt in the garden. One's by the spot where the finch tree is. There's this little spot in the tree where the nook comes down and I can tuck a little chunk of nuts there and the squirrels can come right down and get those. And then the, I, I, the rest of them I put out right out on the street in the gutter for the crows because if the crows stop at the gutter, then they don't notice the other locations where the other birdies get there. Mark, you're stepping into greatness already. Am I? <laughs> the crows think so. <laughs> it's it's a lot of work, which is why I only do it three days a week. Or um, yeah, three days a week. That's how I do it. Do you have certain days? Uh, yeah, well, they shift because it's every other day. So some weeks, I guess, it's four days, and some weeks it's three, yeah. depending on how the calendar works. Who yeah. thought this up, this whole seven-day thing? It doesn't break down into even numbers. I know. Then you have but, to have a leap day and all sorts of chaos. I, my mom said something to me. She said, having your shit together means no, be, includes knowing your zip code. And what she meant by that was it's the mundane things that matter as well. Well, that right? wasn't like what I was just sure thinking money in your when you answered when that I... phone. Right. Like we're talking about stepping into greatness and you're talking about Desmond Tutu, Bishop Desmond Tutu. And, um, you know, and Thich Nhat Hanh seems like he's very close to passing. And, and so greatness, right? But there you are dealing with the paper subscription. Like there's 
the day is filled with minutia. Yeah. Well, what I'm, you know, one of the reasons we're talking about this is I had this inspiring um, social media post that I put out that was, came from this question of like feeling loss around these people that are dying. And then from feeling that loss, feeling a sense of there's work that they're not, that's not getting done now because they're not doing it. And I'm like, so who's going to do that work? Who's going to step forward and, you know, be a force for good. What work do you see that needs to be done that um, Harry Potter isn't doing? (laughs) Well, social justice work, um, the people pressuring the United States government to start reshaping itself to be a better thing. And, you know, just even helping people in your own neighborhood, like there's so many forms of greatness. It doesn't have to be grandiosity. It doesn't have to be right. And we were talking about that earlier, like Desmond Tutu became influential and made big impacts because he started with consistency of small impacts and it grew. And so what I'm doing for myself is I'm continuing to learn and continuing to serve in the various capacities that I serve, some of which is economic and the work I do matters to people, right? That's one way. But then there's things I do that I don't get paid for that matter. And I'm looking at myself and I'm going, okay, 58 years old, I got stuff I got to figure out. And now, so now the jump rope becomes an important pass through to continuing the work, to continuing to be, because a lot of time, energy, and attention and love went into creating the awareness and consciousness that I have that's so compassionate, right? And that wants to give something back to the world. And um, without this being about my ego, it, not everybody's like that. And so we, the people that have that sensibility that want to do more, we need to double down and really step into our courage and, and take things on, take on bigger projects, take on bigger challenges so that bigger projects and bigger challenges can get resolved. And taking care of yourself is part of that. So that's good. Yeah. Do you think um, like, do you still, cause we spoke last week about that transformational 24 hour period you had. I was really, yeah. So do you think that's still um, emanating energy in yourself of your choices and, or is that sort of gone? It's in the past. You're kind of, it's both right. Because peak experiences, whether those peaks or lows or highs have an emanation that goes out from them, but that it does eventually kind of taper off, right? The impact of that. And it's just sort of a, uh, depends on how much you cultivate and hold on to the inspiration that goes with those things. Right. Right. So how do you think you're doing? I'm doing great. All right. I'm a hundred percent on all the thing, all the goals I set. Um, today's go. January 4th. It's three more days till quit day. The 14th. The 14th, 14th. It's three more days till quit day and quit day is the thing. Well, these, these, um, places like Peloton and others 
that have these um, uh, fit peloton colors. No, Peloton oh. is a workout bike that you subscribe okay. to various okay. content. Right, 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 right. And so there's something called the mirror, which is a big screen that hangs on the wall. It has some appendages that you do things in front of. And so there's all these workout technology things that are in the world. And the company that serve, that supplies a lot of the content and a lot of the data tracking for that, for those groups, so that they don't have to manage their own IT, they were on a... Uh, Bloomberg radio call that I heard this week. And they were talking about how they have all these data sets. And then on January 17th, that's called quit day because that's when most people who set up all of these new year's resolutions, that's when they stop. And then there's a, there's a consistent thing that if you make it past quit day, if you make it past January 17th in your process that you have that 80% of those people stick with it. So like quit days, like a huge drop. And I don't remember the exact statistic, but it's over 50% of people who send do their new year's resolutions drop out by the 17th. And then based on the data of these bikes and right. Yeah. Things work out. Okay. Yeah. So it's measurable data. And then it gets sold in a garage. So brothers watching this work out. That's good. I'm glad someone is. Yeah. And uh, so, and, you know, so accountability for me is, you know, no one's watching me right now. I'm going to have to just take this jump rope, put on my tennis and go out there after the podcast and do my do. You know, and I'm working on, I had a conversation with a guy yesterday um, who has a whole accountability program that's based on these ideas that'll help me get, you know, to keep going and keep continuing to challenge myself. Um, and I didn't join a gym. I thought about it, but I didn't, I really want to work with my own body weight and with my own facility right here at the house, especially because of Omicron. You know? Omicron. <laughs> I'm ebullient about Omicron. <laughs> it, See now, but you also mentioned about those two videos you saw and Omicron is still sort of, you still have trepidation about it all. Well, that's the thing. I can hold seemingly disparate ideas in and still, you know, go forward in a coherent way. That doesn't sound very coherent to me. Okay. What are you trying to say? Thank you. I don't understand you. (laughs) What I mean to say is what I'm trying to use my mouth and my tongue and my teeth and my breath to communicate to you. Your brain. No, the brain's not a part of this one. (laughs) Yeah, I just figured it was inherent and didn't need to be listed all on its own on January 4th. Everything you listed is inherent, you monkey dog. (laughs) (laughs) I love how it's so easy for you to push me in the corner and put the spotlight on me. There's like this consistency about that, just because I think that's part of your personality. <laughs> monkey uh, well, dog. Back. Like that's your that's your new moniker. I'm going to call you Monkey Dog from now on. That was my uh fantasy football team, Monkey Dog Sailors. Monkey Dog Sailors. That's a great name for a punk band, not. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay, so what are you trying to articulate? I forgot cuz you interrupted me. You're talking about how you could have 
two different beliefs that are seem opposed to each other and you hold those both beliefs and yet you can still walk the middle ground and move forward even though like one belief is saying no nah, no that's no good and the other's like no oh, that's great and you just keep the middle ground going forward jumping rope five minutes a day every day until you die sounds like you asked me to clarify something that you had perfect clarity over I didn't know I had perfectly clear. Yeah. Well, I didn't know I had perfect clarity on it. I was confused. And and you made that my problem. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) I made my problem your problem. That's America. Oh, say can you Welcome to the podcast where you can hear Mark and Greg argue like brothers. It's like it's the podcast of family squabbles. Yeah. Moped outlaws. Now and then the outlaws don't agree. They agree to agree. Wait, what? It's my turn to drive. (laughs) Okay. You'd think at this point that we could afford two mopeds, but not. Nope. All that money got spent on mushrooms. (laughs) Oh, God. I haven't had mushrooms in so long. By the way, we we do have a request for another um, story. But, Great. Well, I want to tell this one before we move on. Um, I'm good. watching this show called Book of Boba Fett on Disney Plus. And the this past Wednesday, um, the latest version of it had these incredible, cool, moped-looking speeder bikes. They look just oh. like the really fancy ones that, that are in Quadrophenia. Right. 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 The, the, what, what Did they, they have wheels or were they? No, uh, they're hoverboard kind. There's no wheels, but they had like seven mirrors and one was, you know, teal chrome and the other one oh, was rose bad. chrome. And there's this like this kind of teenage punk gang members who ride them. So it was a real the homage, mods. a callback to um, Quadrophenia. Yeah. The mods and the mods. Yeah, yeah, it was. Bad. It was as if the mods were on Tatooine. That's and I awesome. thought of us, I thought of Moped Outlaws. And I was like, there it is. Confirmation that we're at the zeitgeist. Yep. We're going to be like the little voice on Horton Ears of Who. And then one no day one can really we're going to get run over by elephants. Yep. Thrown out into the big old patch. And Horton's going to have to go through and pick every last one of them. Yep. Till he finds the right one. Yeah, Horton was a good friend, wasn't he? He was. In general, I mean, there were some things apparently that have become questionable about Dr. Seuss, but in general, Dr. Seuss was a good guy. Oh, man. Anyone who's questioning Dr. Seuss is looking very closely at the inner lining of their lower intestine. (laughs) I've never heard it put quite so well. It took me a minute. <laughs> oh, jeez. <clears throat> well, I guess this is a good segue to the story that you, someone wants us to tell. Wow. This is a New Year's story that involves Mr. Healy, the healer, and my brother and myself. Is it uh, from the past? Yeah. A couple decades ago, 
healer, my brother Aaron and I were wandering around on New Year's Eve, really wanting to get laid and went to parties and chaos and nothing really was happening. And then Mike remembered, oh, yeah, you know what? <laughs> um, this hippie girl I ran into this afternoon, she said, like, there's this whole party going up on Mount Tam at the campgrounds. So let's go up there. We're like, okay. And it's like 2.30 in the morning or 3. It must have been around 3 because we walked up the mountain to the stupid campground, got there around 4 in the morning, and there were five hippie dudes and a chick. <laughs> so now there were eight hippie dudes in a chick. <laughs> and they looked at us and we knew we were unwelcome. <laughs> and we're all just standing around at like 4.30 in the morning. And they had made a sweat lodge and um, they had done a sweat. And Did you get naked so in the sweat lodge? No. So here's what happened is they really wanted us out of there. Like it just became obvious that these three got, I think we might've been on some substance too. Like we were not, we were out of our heads a bit. You weren't and, peace uh, bros. You were not peace bros. Yeah, exactly. We were looking for a peace, not promoting it. <laughs> and, um, and so then one of the guys goes, hey, I have to go make a phone call. You guys want to ride down the mountain? We're like, yeah, sure. Okay. And that ended that. But from then on, <laughs> Mike, Aaron, and I have this thing where every New Year's Eve, we like to check in and go, hey, you guys want to go do a sweat? <laughs> I'll meet you up on the mountain for a sweat. Nice. That's our little New Year's Eve tradition. Yeah. And we were how many so times have you actually place. met up to do that? Never, never. So now, Not now we have something to look forward to. Now we could like, yeah, we were well, so out of place that night. It was so, it was so funny. One of the most fun um, things I did in the Marin Headlands was someone threw a birthday party for someone and I won't, I'm not going to bother to talk about who that was because it'll just distract from what it is. But when we got to the party, a fair amount of work had been put into making it a really killer party. And one of the things that had happened was they had invited some indigenous um, Miwok descendants to set up the bark teepee structures that they set up. And what it is is these giant chunks of redwood bark that they either pry off or have fallen off. And then they stack them into a kind of, structure that's conical that's you know teepee shaped and so mm -hmm. i got to sit naked in a sweat lodge in a teep in a redwood bark enclosure um for this party and i was like it's smoky in here <laughs> <laughs> i'm uncomfortable <laughs> right exactly and apparently that's part of the deal right is to learn to deal with your discomfort yeah, that's part of it. And um, I think that ties back into two things we're talking about. One, exercise and regular exercise is uncomfortable and, um, and involves pain. into greatness. And sometimes stepping into greatness involves a little pain, a little bit of I think, discomfort. I would say it always does. Like, I was just listening to um, a Joe Rogan podcast. I forget who the guest. Oh, it was Tim. The, he's had on a couple of times. And they were both saying 
No, it wasn't. It, anyway, it was a scaffolding. Anyway, um, they were both saying that if you aspire for comfort, if that's what you go for, you're going to fail. Because you're going to end up uncomfortable. <laughs> well, you won't. You won't go for it, really. If comfort's your thing, you won't have. You won't exert the energy needed to really achieve kick ass. Yeah. And step into greatness. So now we've identified the counter energy to stepping into greatness, which is otherwise referred to as the L word. Lethargy. Lazy. Lesbian. No, let's not throw lesbians under the bus. (laughs) Is it appropriate to throw a lesbian under the carpet? Hey, wait <laughs> no, it's not appropriate, but it sounds like well, it could be, <laughs> could be. I don't think it's appropriate for me for many reasons. <laughs> yeah, we, we won't go into those, but I will tell a story about being 17 and at a party. And in those days, I was actually quite appealing, much more so than the Uncle Fester look I've got going right now. <laughs> and uh, well, we should ask Kathy about that. I think she likes she my say- bald head. Anyway, at seventeen, I went to this really great party, and it was the kind of thing where I was um, I was appealing, and I was also. Um, my ego was still wildly. Wait, you were appealing? I was appealing, attractive. Oh, appealing. Okay. So and you're, I okay. kind of fixated on this one girl at the party, and she kind of liked me. It was mutual. There was a mutual feeling there. And so we would dance, and we would, there was this, you know, sometimes at parties, you, you like come together for a little while, and you come apart, and you're, you're hanging out with other people, and you come back. And mm-hmm. like that went on a few times over the night, and it, it got to the point where she said, you should stay the night. And I'm like, that sounds great. Right. And so we had fun and the party was over and it was basically <clears throat> she and one of her other girlfriends, friends and me. And it was like, it's time to bed down. And like, we're all, we all get in the bed together. And I'm like, not really rubbing my hands together, but metaphorically, I'm rubbing my hands together going, okay, three some. Like, I'm really excited about this. And it starts, like, there's a makeout that starts with the three of us. And then suddenly it shifts, and the two of them are much more interested in each other than me. <laughs> there I am. For the excuse <laughs> for them to do what they wanted to do because they were too young and immature to just say, I don't know, you know, or maybe I was too passive or whatever, but it, it, it it was super sweet. Like I didn't feel rejected, but there was like, there was a point at which there was no getting back into what we'll call the clutch, which is the touching matrix of, of things. And so it was like, Hmm, all righty then. So I got, I got that the sense that they wanted to be together and that it wasn't going to be happening for me. Like, and I think, as I remember back on it, I was a little bit wounded about it at first, I can imagine, which, yeah. which contributed to the kind of po- the closing the door on the possibilities for me. Because if I'd just been patient and hung out and let, there might have been a point where they were like, they got curious about me again. 
but I was too busy being um, egoic and, and concerned about what it all meant about me not being so you left center of attention. Uh, eventually, I did leave, and energetically, I left, and then physically, I left. And there was quite a gap there. There was about half an hour gap there. Um, so you watched a bit. You had a little show. No, because that felt um, it didn't feel good to take that role. Maybe if I, I had allowed myself to be that. It would have been even better. They would eventually. What did you just laid in bed staring at the ceiling while these two girls are going out next to you? Holy baboli! That's uh, disheartening. Kind of of bummed. Like, yeah. Wait. Step into (laughs) dog poo. (laughs) What was it? it? And they were both super sweet. Like there was no, no one was angry, hurt, afraid, rejected. There was no rejection really. I created right. my own rejection in a way out right. of my own ego. Well, when you talked with her afterwards, did you I, talk with her afterwards? No, I was so insulted. I never talked to her again. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, we, we went to school together. Of course I saw her again. Right. Right. And, but and, just, and it was very casual. I was like, Hey, I had fun. Um, what happened? I'd like to have been a little bit more. <laughs> I asked her what yeah, happened. Right and she said, I don't know. I didn't plan it. It just kind of went that way. And I was like, yeah, I, I get that. And she says, were you disappointed? And I was like, yeah. And she said, well, it's not my fault. And I'm like, I understand it. I get it. It's not your fault. And it didn't no, feel it never like is. Didn't feel good. Right. In those moments. Right. But we didn't feel right. like we didn't not like each other anymore. Right. It was just like, expectations that hadn't been met, but that's the thing. You bring expectations in and they're, that's what's going to happen. They're the roadmap yeah, to disappointment. Like I got mine <laughs> it, too bad. You know, for maybe you. she did. Maybe not. Don't I'm know. Teasing. I'm teasing. Well, it's cool that you guys, you know, remained in like, it wasn't like you walked down the hall, like never knowing each other again. Yeah. Mumbling the mumbling the B word under my breath at her. No, right, right, exactly. Not my way. The B word. And the B word is bumble. Bullying. (laughs) (laughs) Needless to say, they were not ebullient about me. Well, you don't know. Like you said, you kind of went into a place and played that role, and that's what played out. Right. And if I hadn't been, um, if I hadn't made it about me, then it could have yeah, been about that's, us. That's the interesting thing with stepping into greatness. Mm. Boy, like you said earlier about the two polarities, trains of thought. Yeah. And, you know, there's the um, selflessness. And then there's, you know, we are the star of our movie. We are. Yeah, someone um, said once that everything we do is selfish, even things that we do for right. others, right? And right, then right. you sort of transform what the common thought about what that word means. Selfish means, um, in a derogatory way, it means myopic and self, self-centered self to the exclusion of others' needs and wants, right? But there's a way to actually be well, let's just go up another layer. Like, first of all, there is no self because we're all one thing. We're all one, right? 
that, that, but ultimately, we think our brains trick us into, and our our context and conditioning think, tricks us into this idea of the of our ego wanting to have what it wants to the exclusion of what other people want. That's as, as if there's a finite amount of anything that, so that we have to get ours so that someone else <clears throat> doesn't get Man, it first. A, like I'm experiencing the past 24 hours with this person I'm working with. And we just are like oil and water in so many ways and consistently. And I think about it and I'm like, well, could I have not react? Could I have reacted differently? And of course the easy answer is yes. Um, I think you and I spoke about this last week too, about there's an element of it's our will that creates action. Yeah. You know, so without our will, there nothing would happen. Well, what would happen, it tends to lack um, our input. It lacks volition. It lacks our conscious intention. So right. stuff happens. Right. So, yes. But the question is how much this, of it's directed? How much of it has our momentum? like this podcast happens because you and I both put our energy into it. Are there ever times you're like, fuck, I don't want to fucking upload this damn thing. No, because I love what we're doing. And I'll tell you last night I went to rehearsal, right. To rehearse yeah. with this band of this cover band that I'm right. playing with. Yep, yep, yep. And what's the name of the band? Um, the upbeats. Okay. And, I had been thinking about it all week. Like I was, and, and, and Wednesday when I picked up my guitar just abstractly at home and I played a little, I'm like, Oh my God, I can't wait till Thursday. Like I so need to do this. Right. And right. I had a really, really busy day Wednesday and yesterday. And so energetically, I literally was telling my partner like, Hey, <clears throat> uh, I want to come and I'm not sure. Like, how I'm going to feel, but, um, I want to come. And I finally, I was like, okay, I'm going. And I got there and I'm excited. And then I set up my gear and I had this feeling like, I don't really want to do this. <laughs> right. And I just decided to just show up anyway and play. And then, you know, I got into it. I felt that thing, that energetic, um, light go off that has that happens when I play guitar and that was great. And then there was a moment like an hour and 10 minutes in where I had the exact opposite feeling and like, oh my God. Yeah. no, it was the opposite feeling. It was like, um, cause I've been having fun for the first hour and then oh, so moment, back to, okay. I, and I, there was this one song and the chart I had on my iPad, right? Because I haven't learned all the material. So I'm still kind of following along. The chart I had one was written in a different key and the names of the chords on it were written in this really abstracted way. And I was just totally lost. And so I felt embarrassed, ashamed, and I wasn't really able to contribute much musically to that moment, you know, unless it was to be like playing melodically, which is kind of like the guitarist who constantly plays lead. Like nobody wants that all the time. Right. 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 Um, so I felt this really deep trough of emotional um, output happen for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, 
So what I did with that was I just felt it and I was like, oh, and I went to the, at that point we'd been playing for over an hour solid. And I, you know, at the the end of the song, I said, Hey, I'm going to go take a mask break. Cause of course I was wearing a mask in the studio. And I, so I used that as an excuse to just go out and get some fresh air and guys play the next tune without me. I'll be right back. And then I came back in and I still felt funky. I did not feel inspired to play. And I just kept it going and kept going. And then there was another moment where I felt my soul, my spirit rise into the emotional content of the song we were playing. And there was a correlation between that and my competence around the song. And so that there's a real thing there. Like when I'm not able to play and I didn't do my homework sufficiently to play this one song, I felt bad about myself. And then when I broke through and there what did it for me, the thing that changed it was we decided to try Mm. and play a song. No one knew in the band Mm. and we just went for it. And so there was that moment where in the going for it without any um, expectation or, or judgment about how well I could or couldn't do it. And I found my musical stability again. I found my expression again. And I remember one moment where the singer nodded over to me to go ahead and take a solo. And I just blew one, just super hot, like very emotional, full, exciting, dynamic thing. And I was like, that was it. It totally changed the channel again. And I didn't know what I was doing. I was just making it up. Yeah, so that's interesting. Like, cause that's because for my own learning, you know, here's this one song that you didn't put the time in to learn. Right. And you know, you have reasons. So well, I was relying on the fact that I would have, I would have the chart in front of me and that I would be able to do it. And a bunch of them, I haven't learned. I haven't learned a bunch of them. But the charts are enough that I can kind of create them in the moment. And, and, and I learned, I know them this enough. One particular chart was wasn't too, written in a way that, right. So you didn't even look at the chart. Like if you had looked at it two days before, you would have been like, Oh fuck that chart. I need a different chart. Mm, yes. And it was still written in the wrong key. So even if I had gotten it made sense of it, as soon as they started playing it, I would have had to to fix it in again. Transpose but, it. Yeah. But so you wouldn't have known it was in the wrong key until you got to rehearsal. Right. Because as soon as my partner started playing it in a different key, I was like, I played the chord that was written and it was like, wait, that's not what he's that's playing. That's not right. 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 So it seems like a part of stepping into greatness is our ability to rise up to our inner challenges in a wholesome manner, you know, in a supportive manner. Well, I think a big part of it is preparation. Well, of and course then, that's part and of then what talking about. inspiration. Well, and like, but inspiration isn't going to be consistent. Things are going to happen. That's right. Like for instance, with this one work thing, like part of me is going, I may want to step away from this, but I do want to be involved. I guess it's even in relationships too, you know, like thinking of the perfect marriage is one where the love for each other is always stronger and more important than the challenges either are experiencing or both are experiencing. 
know, so kind of breaking it down a little bit, you showed up at rehearsal last night because you love playing more than the voice that's going, oh, I don't really want to do this. It's been a hard week. It's been very full. Right. And then instead of just packing up your shit and walking out, which happens, right? That's how bands break up. Finally, all those little instances, finally, it's just they outweigh the joy. Or they get fired, right? But yeah, yeah. Or they get fired. But that's they're fired because, again, someone thinks all those little instances outweigh the joy. So fuck you, you're fired. Right. So stepping into greatness is moving beyond our sense of what the limitations are and our mood and being willing to do the uncomfortable thing right. with the hope, with the belief that something else can happen. That, yeah. Now that's interesting. Cause like with Desmond Tutu, cause I just thought about vision and how, like what the vision is like vision for a peaceful South Africa. But he had a vision before that. Like he, he had a personal vision. He had to show up optimistic throughout apartheid and try to heal his community when they were being literally oppressed in uh, horrific ways. Yeah, but I think that's what he did even before the opportunity of apartheid ending happened. Yeah, that's, like, what, that's, who yeah, he, that's what we're talking about is this idea that even right. when it doesn't make sense to be a bullion about a prospect, that yeah. you step into it. You go look ahead and imagine. Work, working in the word. Damn, <laughs> look at that. That's some skills right there. <laughs> right? Perseverance. Yeah. So what do we have in our life that we want to persevere for? Uh, everyone does, except for those who don't. Like, that's the thing. <laughs> people, people who have whose depression has just gotten so bad that they can't move or people with executive function issues and they can't get out of bed just to do the laundry. And it's like, what's the problem with that? It's just the laundry. But the reality is they can't, they literally can't. But from our point of view, it seems like that's weak or that that's just lame or whatever. But from their point of view, it's like, it's not possible. Well, see, and that is part of this reminds me of what I've heard Tony Robbins talk about is that we have a belief of who we are and part of changing our life is changing our belief of who we are. So that individual who's in bed thinking I can't get out of bed and do the laundry. Like there there's the potential. There is the choice to get out of bed and do the laundry. And it may be hard. It may be like covering, climbing Mount Everest. And sometimes die attempting to climb Mount Everest. Sometimes you get turned away at base camp too, or you don't even make it to base camp. But you could go back the next time and do it again. So, you know, maybe Monday you didn't get out of bed and do the laundry, but you're going to give it another shot on Tuesday. Sometimes the first step into greatness is stepping out of bed. Recording stopped.